Turn with me, please, to Psalm 119. There are 176 verses in this psalm. Some of you looking strange. I'm not going to deal with all of them. I'd like to, but I'll deal with only three of them, and that is verses 1 through verse 3. Psalm 119, verses 1 through 3. A person asked me not very long ago who was down and out, and they simply asked, can a person really experience genuine happiness? Can a person really experience genuine happiness in life? And then they retorted, if a person can truly experience happiness, why am I not happy? Are there really then any guidelines that you and I can follow that are given to us that can bring as a result of our following them that state of happiness that we long for and that we desire to have? Or is happiness some kind of an accident? Does it just somehow fall upon certain people accidentally? Is there any such thing then as a, a person who is born to, uh, with happiness and a person who is not? Well, I think I could safely say that man is not born happy. Now, how many of you remember the first sound that came out of that baby when that baby was born? A sound of dissatisfaction, mourning and wailing and whining and crying. And some people, by the way, after 30, 40, 50 years, hadn't got out of that stage yet. Amen's a good time to say it. But anyway, what I want you to understand is man is really not born happy. Happiness then is a choice, someone said. And I believe that. Now, I do not mean, nor would I have you to suppose, to suppose that you could believe that if you were just one day to decide, well, I'm going to be happy, and all of a sudden... It happens like magic. No, happiness does not happen by magic. It comes as a result of the master and the master's plan. Happiness then can be your experience. Indeed, you can choose to be happy. But there are some guidelines and some truths that indeed we need to understand that are given us in the word of God that will show us God's highway to happiness. Look then in Psalm 119, and we read verses 1, 2, and 3, and the words of the Scripture read like this. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity they walk in his ways. Of all of the things that the Bible presents to us about our God, it reveals to us that our God is a happy God. Indeed, I think that is true by reason of the use of the word blessed that is often connected with our Lord. You'll notice in the very first word of the first verse that we read, therein is found the word blessed. The word blessed comes from a Hebrew word that is always found in the plural. It is never found in the singular, which simply means that the word blessed can be translated happy, happy. 
In other words, it's not just one area that God can give a person happiness in, but it is a multiplicity of areas, in fact, in the entire life and heart where God can bestow upon us his blessing. Now, I said that our God is termed a happy God. In Psalm 119, if you'll skip down to verse number 12, notice that in that verse, the verse says, Blessed art thou, O Lord. In other words, the word blessed again refers to the happiness, the joy of our God. In Psalm 66 and verse number 20, Again, the word is found, blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. And then Paul in the New Testament even uses that term in relation to our God. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 11, Paul says, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Now, this word blessed occurs in the Bible, in the Old Testament, as many as 44 times. The greater majority of that time, those times you'll find mentioned right here in the book of the Psalms. The word, by the way, blessed or happy, a synonym for that would be the word blissful. It may be the word bright or even the word sunny or cheerful or glad. Those words describe to us a little bit more what it means to be happy. The opposite of that is words like distress or gloomy or pensive, sad or sorrowful or troubled. But here the Bible reveals that God is none of these, that God is certainly not distressed. He is not gloomy. He is not pensive. He is not sad. He is not troubled. And so as our God, he would delight and desires to pass on to you and me a life that is bright, a life that is blissful, a life that is joyful, a life that is glad, a life that is sunny, a life indeed that is happy. And the Lord doesn't keep the secret of happiness to himself. In fact, he reveals it in his word. Now, in that our God is revealed as a happy God, I think we could safely say, and it is a known fact, that uh, happy children are generally the product of a happy home. Children as a, as a, as a norm that are, you find out here that are happy and well-adjusted in their life. I realize there are some exceptions. But yet the, as a norm, you'll find that those happy children come out of a home that indeed has experienced happiness. So, however, when a child even that comes out of a happy home and experiences for a while something of the happiness of life, yet that child can ruin and lose that happiness by reason of his action and his attitude toward his parent, toward the rules and the regulations of that very home. Now, you'll notice here in this psalm that the great emphasis of the entire 119th psalm, the 176 verses that are here, you'll find that the great emphasis is upon the Word of God and the God of the Word. 
in all 176 of these verses, God is made reference to. It may be by the very name God, or it may be in reference to him by the choice of the word his and so forth. But all, all, every one of the verses, this lengthy psalm, refer to God. Not only that, but 173 out of the 176 verses makes reference to the word of God. So in a nutshell, are you listening to me? In a nutshell, happiness is found in the God of the Word and in the Word of God. There can be no genuine happiness for any life apart from either God or the, God, or the Word of God. Now let me just give you some, a bit of passing information that perhaps will be instructive and help you as you read this 119th Psalm. The Word of God is described in at least nine different ways or by nine different terms in this psalm. Now, some have said there are ten different words that are used, synonymous of the Word, but at least there are nine. So I'll settle with that. First of all, you'll find that the word law is used very often in this psalm. That word law refers to the Word of God. It is used some 25 times in these 176 verses. You'll find another, and that is the word, word. Simply, word is a term that refers to the word of God. It is used 24 times in these, in these verses. The word judgment, some 23 times. The word testimonies, 23 times. The word statutes, 22 times, you'll find it mentioned. The word commandments referring to the word of God, again, 22 times. The term precepts, you'll find used some 21 times in this psalm relative to the word. The word sayings, used 19 times in this psalm. And the word way, in reference to the word of God, is found some 13 times. So what I've tried to say and impress you with is this, that this psalm has to do with the God of the Word and indeed with the Word of God. Now in the first three verses that we have read, the Holy Spirit through the psalmist reveals that happiness results in the life of those who make God's Word the center of their life. God, happiness results in that person who makes the word of God the very center of, its life, of his life. This psalm sets before us then the picture of a happy man. And what a picture it, it is indeed. He is happy simply in these first three verses. He is simply happy because the word of God rules in three areas of his life. Now, I wish I had time to deal with more, but I do not. But I want you to look at these three areas of life wherein the Word of God rules and as a result produces real happiness. Now, keep with your Bible open to our text. Look back at verse 1. The verse says, blessed. We said the word means happy. Plural, happy, happy. Are the undefiled in the way. Let me remind you again that the term way, as I've just mentioned, used 13 times, 
is a term that refers to the Word of God. The word way itself signifies a road to be trodden or a course of action marked out by God's law. So we're using the term way, and that is in reference to the happy man's way. It is a way of life where a man walks the path that God has marked out for him in the word of God. Now you'll find in the New Testament that Christ is revealed as the living way. You'll find also that the Bible is revealed as the written way in which God would have a man, a woman, a a young person walk. And if he does so, he is going to find happiness in his life. The most miserable people I know on the face of this earth are people who have given the heel to the word of God. They have no regard for what God says. I talked to a dear lady this morning and she said, my husband is determined to do what he's planned to do. And he said, Preacher Burl, the Bible, God, nobody is going to change my mind. Here's a fellow who is miserable uh, and indicated by the use of drugs and alcohol and a bunch of other stuff. That's an indication of misery and unhappiness. And yet folks are saying, I'm going to be happy. I don't care what God says. I'm not going to pay any attention to the course that God has mapped out in his word. I'm going to go my own way. Now the key word in this first statement, notice this. Blessed are the undefiled in that chosen marked out course that God has revealed in his word. Now the Hebrew word for undefiled is the word ta-meem, spelled in English K-W-M-E-E-M, ta-meem. And the word itself means integrity. It means truth. It means completeness. It means one without blemish. It means sincerity. It means uprightness of life and character. Now then, So the happy man, what the word is saying is this, is the man who is honest, who is sincere, who is truthful and upright in the word of God. In other words, here's what we're saying. If that man comes to the Bible and he opens it and he finds that the word of God tells him that he has taken a wrong course in life, that he is trotting a forbidden path, that man, when he recognized that from the scripture, because he is undefiled, that is because he is honest when he comes to the Bible, because he is a man of integrity, when he looks at the Bible, he is sincere to the point that he's willing to say, Lord, I am wrong, I have sinned, I want you to forgive me. It certainly does not suggest that that man of undefiledness in the word begins to argue with God or that he begins to excuse himself. Oh no, he doesn't get mad at the preacher. He doesn't quit the church. He doesn't take a pouting spell. 
But the truth is, when he begins to recognize it, he does not argue, as I said. He doesn't circumvent. He doesn't excuse his sin. He confesses it. He repents and turns back and says, Lord, put my feet on the right path. In other words, that's what it means to be undefiled in the way. Now, the psalmist said, that kind of a fellow is happy. No man can be happy when he knows the word of God condemns him for what he's doing, how he's acting, what he's not doing. I mean, that's miserable. And that's evident sometimes when I'm up preaching. I don't necessarily mean here. I see some folks, either they're miserable or they got a stomach ache. I don't know which sometimes. But the word of God, when it goes forth, listen, and, and, and we find out we're in the wrong place, we're doing the wrong thing. The man of integrity turns and says, oh God, I know I'm wrong. And I'm not going to excuse that. I'm not going to blame it on anybody else. I face it for what it is. And Lord, give me strength. Give me knowledge. Give me wisdom to walk in your way. I'm glad there is a guide for us. In Isaiah 30, verse 21, a verse that comes to memory from way back in my early days. And the prophet said, thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, when you turn to the right hand, when you turn to the left, this is the way, walk ye in it. In other words, here this man is shown to be happy because the word of God rules his way. It rules his conduct. It rules his course of action. That man is indeed a happy man. Now then indeed the Lord's way is a way of holiness, is it not? There are a lot of folks who want to be happy and have overflowing joy in their life and they expect they can have it without holiness. But holiness and happiness go together. And yet you cannot have holiness without the Holy Spirit. And you cannot have the Holy Spirit apart from the new birth, from the Savior. And if a man then would begin on this highway of happiness, he must begin by first coming to Jesus Christ, receiving him as his Savior, the Holy Spirit at that moment of salvation entering into his heart, and he is on the way to a life of happiness. Sin has always been a joy robber. That's the reason so many people have to drown their misery in alcohol, drugs, illicit sex, and all the rest. Sin robs of joy. And rather than a man, when he faces the Word of God, facing it with integrity and uprightness of heart, he turns and says, well, I'll just try to be happy my own way. But happiness can never come to a man like that. Not only that, but secondly, this passage is saying that this man is a happy man because the word of God rules not only his way, but rules his walk. Rules his walk. Look at the verse again. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. You remember singing a song every once in a while? When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. When we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. 
What a glory, what a joy when we walk with the Lord. So the happy man is the man who lets the word of God rule his walk. Now, the word walk signifies both in the Old Testament and the New, by the way. It signifies one's behavior or conduct. The word walk calls for the ordering of one's conduct, the ordering of one's behavior. Back in the book of Genesis chapter 5 verse 23, remember this verse? And Enoch walked with God. In other words, Enoch ordered his life and his conduct and his behavior in relation to God. He walked with God. I hear Amos in chapter 3 of the book of Amos in verse 3 asking this very powerful, very disturbing question and enlightening question. Can two walk together except they be agreed? In other words, when a man is agreed in his heart with God and that God's word is truth, God's word is right, and he orders his behavior governed by the word of God, then indeed... He can know happiness in his heart. Paul writes to the Ephesian Christians and to you and me. And he said in chapter 4 at verse number 17 of that epistle, Walk not as other Gentiles walk in the, in the vanity of their minds. He's saying you ought to order as a believer a different kind of behavior. You ought to be distinct. You ought to be different. You ought not to be like the converted world. There ought to be a distinction in your life. And then I hear in Galatians 5 verse 16, Paul says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know what he's saying? Again, order your conduct and your behavior within the sphere of the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. I remind you of this. You listen to me. Don't miss this. Your life will either be ordered by the world or by the word. You see, your life is ordered. And, and many a person orders on the base of the world. He can't stand the high pressure that the world gives him. And so he orders according to them rather than the word of God. How many of you ever, do you have on your TV, how many of you have that, uh, what is it called, where they sell all that stuff? Just, I mean, that's all they do. Any, any of y'all have that? Thank God you don't, I'm telling you. But anyway, we don't either. But there are people who just get so addicted, they buy stuff, buy stuff, don't even need it. Woman down here in Atlanta, I, I think she had ordered uh, uh, somewhere in the vicinity of $40,000 worth of items. And the man who's interviewing said, hey, did you need all, things, all those things? Oh, no. She said, I just couldn't resist. In other words, the world throws everything up in front of us. It's ways, it's pleasures, it's fashions, all it's philosophy. And many a person just can't say no to it. So either you order your life according to the world and its standard or you order your word, life according to the word of God. So the Bible talks about the man who walks in the law of the Lord. You and I were not born walking. We were born to walk, but we were not born walking. We learn to walk. Take, for example, that baby. That baby that lies flat on his back soon learns that that's not the position on back or tummy. That's not the normal position for a human being. 
Somehow within him there is that that says you need to stand upright and you need to walk. And so the little critter begins to wave his arms and he begins to kick his legs and he struggles to push himself up. Then he crawls and soon he stands on wobbly legs and then begins to walk. Oh, at first he stumbles and falls, but he gets up and he walks again, maybe holding on to something. How typical that is of the, of the child of God. We were not born into God's family walking, but yet there is that desire within us that we want to walk with God. We want to order our life according to that that God has determined for us as born again children of God. And so we begin to struggle. We get up and, and we fall and we stumble. And finally we take that first step. You ever notice when the baby takes its first step? And maybe, maybe not the first one. But at least when it begins to be assured that it can walk. You ever notice the smile on its little face? Boy, it's, I mean it's accomplished something. And even so in the life of the believer, he, he no longer has to hold on to somebody else. There's many a Christian who walks in his life merely on the emotion and the enthusiasm of other Christians. As long as he's around a good crowd, he can walk pretty good. He can hang on to it. But what God wants us to do is to learn to stand on our own two feet and learn to walk. Ah, and we do that as a believer as we increase in our knowledge of God and we grow in the grace of God and we find ourselves begin walking. Indeed, there's no happiness like that which floods the soul of the believer when he realizes he is walking in the way of God. Jesus said it in John 13, verse 17, after he had washed the disciples' feet and taught them by outward acted, enacted parable, he had taught them those lessons and he turned to them and said, and if you know these things, happy are ye if you, what? Do them. Not simply if you know them, but if you do them. And so this man is a happy man because the word of God governs not only his way, but it governs his walk. And finally, look at verse 2 and 3. You'll find that he is a happy man because the word of God rules his will. Look at verse 2 and 3. Blessed are they, happy, happy are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his way. The psalmist sees in these two verses two things, two things that happen when our wills are captivated by the word of God. The first thing he sees is this. Indeed, I'd remind you, our wills must be captive to something. In other words, uh, man is made in that way. Happy then is the person who indeed is enslaved by the word of God. So there are two things that result from that kind of submission or captivity or enslavement. Our hearts are enraptured with the word of God. Two things. First of all, it gives purpose to life. No man can be happy in life who has no purpose. Sometimes we think, boy, if I could just be a loafer. If I just wander around, you know, do nothing, have no schedule to meet, have no job to do, have no, ha, have no plan, no purpose, and just kind of float around, boy, I'd be happy. 
the hippie generation of the 60s wound up with nothing more than drug addiction and venereal and social disease. No purpose. I want to tell you, God gives you purpose in life. And yet there's many a Christian who's never seemingly figured out the purpose God has for him. I can tell you in one simple statement what God's purpose is for your life in general terms. Perhaps I cannot tell you specifically what that area is, but God's, God's purpose for your life is that you walk in his will and honor him. I don't care what area of life you're in. If you're a carpenter, brick mason, mechanic, whether you're an office personnel, uh, whether, whatever you do, school teacher, whatever, that we're to walk in the will of God and that we honor and glorify God in that area of life that indeed the Lord has given us. Now look, if you will, he says simply this, blessed are they that keep, or that is guard, they protect, they maintain, they obey his testimonies. The word testimonies, as I mentioned earlier, is used some 23 times in this psalm. The word testimony is derived from a verb which signifies to bear witness or to testify. In other words, the law of God is a constant witness of the will of God. And if we were to apply that in a singular sense, it applies to the Ten Commandments, which, in other words, God's law has solemnly been declared concerning his will of matters of, uh, concerning matters of faith and of morals. So the Bible said, happy is that man who guards and protects his life, who obeys in his life the very announced will of God in the word of God. Again, I want to say this. No man or woman or young person can ever be happy who knowingly violates the express will of God as given in the word of God. Look just briefly at the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill. You ever known of a murderer who's happy? Thou shalt not steal. A thief is not happy. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Do you know any adulterer or adulteress who is really happy? shall not covet. You know any covetous man who is really content and happy in life? No. In other words, these testimonies, the writer is saying, happy is that man who keeps his testimonies, the expressed will of God. Everybody is seeking something in life. Some are seeking marriage. Somebody said the only evidence of labor on a modern day girl's hand is the rock on her finger. Maybe that's true, maybe it isn't. We're seeking promotions. We're seeking approval. Men are constantly seeking money. Yet, persons whose will is subject to the very word of God are seeking, as the verse says, seeking the will of God with their whole heart. That is, with every fiber of their being, they're seeking the will of God. I ask you this morning, is that really what you're seeking? Is that what you're really after? Are you really after the will of God? Can you honestly, in a relaxed attitude of heart, say, Lord, I just want your will in this matter. I want you, Lord, to have your way. I want your way to be my way. There can indeed then be no greater purpose in life 
than that purpose of knowing and doing the will of God. Finally, let me say this. A man's captivity to God's word guarantees not only a purpose, but it guarantees purity in life. Remember the verse that said, Wherewithal shall a young man, a young woman, cleanse his way? By giving heed thereto to the word of God. Notice the, the latter part of, uh, of, of, uh, look at verse 3. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You've heard it often said, sin will keep you from this Bible. But this Bible applied, digested, centered in your life will keep you from sin. Think of our dear Lord Jesus. The marvelous, victorious life that he lived. He was victorious over temptation over all the world, over all the flesh, over all the devil, and yet the secret of his marvelous life was, you guessed it, the Word of God. When he faced the devil on the Mount of Temptation, his reply constantly was, it is written, it is written, God says it, this is the Word, this is what the Lord says. His life then was pure. Because his life was ruled by the word of God. Which word reveals the will of God. You remember this verse in Hebrews 10 verse 7 of our Lord Jesus. Lo, he said, I come to do thy will, O God. Now my friend, the seeking of the will of God is the first step toward real happiness. And for you to enter into that life, that highway of happiness, the only way you can enter in is by repentance, recognizing your sin, acknowledging it to God, realizing that you have never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, and that by receiving him, God gives you entrance into that highway of happiness. I like this statement in the story of the prodigal son. When that prodigal who had been out and squandered all of his living and wasted his life, when he came home, you remember the father had the fatted calf killed and he had shoes put on that boy's feet and a ring on his finger and a robe around him. You remember the Bible said this, and they began to be merry. They began to be happy. You know when you'll begin to be happy? When you come home to the father. But notice this, it's only the beginning. Happy, happy is the man who is undefiled in the way. Happy, happy is the man who keeps his testimonies. Happiness can be mine and yours if we will let the word of God govern our life. And I pray that you'll be in your heart sincere and open and honest enough with yourself that as you take inventory of your life, see if the avenues, the walk of your life corresponds with the Word of God. May God help us to know the happiness a happy God wants us to know. Let's pray together. Our heads are bowed for a moment. If I were to ask you this morning this question, how would you answer if I were to ask you, are you a happy person? 
If I were to ask you that and then ask you to lift your hand, listen to me. Would you be among those who could lift their hand? I'm going to ask you, but don't lift your hand. Are you a happy man, a happy woman, a happy young person? I've given you but an opening of God's word that'll help you to get on the highway to happiness. When God's word captivates and rules your way, your walk, your will, I'm telling you, happiness can be yours. Somebody said, you know the word of God and all those commands, that doesn't seem like any happiness to me. Well, they say the happiness is out there in the world. You, you call contracting AIDS happiness? You call addiction to gambling happiness? You call drug addiction happiness? The guilt that comes from a life of immorality, you call that happiness? No, sir. The happy man is the man who walks undefiled in his way. If you're not happy, you can be. Number one, let me ask you, have you trusted Jesus Christ in reality? Do you know him as your Savior? Number two, if you have received him as your Savior and there's lack of happiness in your life, I ask you, have you submitted to his will, to his way? Are you led, is your order of life according to the word? Ask God to search your heart. And I pray this morning, if you're right here, number one, if you're unsaved, you need to trust Jesus Christ. This altar is open for you. I want you, as we sing in a moment, to leave your seat and come down this aisle, the side aisle, the middle aisle, come place your hand in mine and by it you're saying, Preacher, I want to receive Christ as my Savior. I know he's who I need. And right here now, knowing that I'm a sinner, I ask Christ to be my Savior. I'd like to have prayer with you briefly. Show you a promise from the Word. And then if you're here and you're saved, but life is just kind of a drag and it's miserable, there's no real happiness. There's no blissfulness, no brightness, no sunshine. Why don't you today say, Lord, search me. See if there be any wicked way in me. Lord, am I going my way or yours? Am I ordering my own life according to my own standards or am I ordering it according to your word? Lord, help me. And I'll ask you today, if God's speaking to your heart as a believer, maybe you're a member of some other church of like faith. You, you feel God would have you to be a part of this Bible-believing church. If so, I want you to come and tell me your desire. While we stand together then, let's stand with heads bowed as we pray together. Heavenly Father, now we've given the word you laid on our heart. And I pray, Lord, that men have understood what we've tried to say, that young people, mothers and dads understood. Lord Jesus, help our folks to realize that this is not some idea of mine. It's not a philosophy of the preachers. But Lord, it's simply the truth of thy word. And there are millions of people today wanting to be happy, that they've, but they've gone the wrong route. There are young people here today that want fulfillment, they want happiness, they want completeness in life, and they'll never find it in rebellion against thee. May their hearts be yielded and surrendered now. Save the lost, bring the Christian close to you, that one who needs to be a part of this church, God lay that upon the heart, be, and may, the, may you be victorious in their hearts. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name, amen.
Let's sing a stanza of our invitation, hymn number, number 348. If you need the songbook, Jesus is tenderly calling today. And I'm going to ask you, do now. Is, is what you're doing, what you will do in this invitation, is it in his way? Are you walking according to his word? Are you letting his will become your will? Let's sing a stanza together. Lift it out, everyone, and you come while we sing it. Jesus is tenderly calling you home, calling today, calling today. Why from the sunshine of love will you roam farther and farther? stanza, let me say one final word. Hosea's wife became a harlot. She wandered out in sensual, wicked, immoral behavior and sin. There came the moment in her life when she said, it was better for me then than now. I dare say there are many of us who've had to say that. A Christian here today, once who knew the joy of the Lord. You've wandered away, let the devil trip you up down in your heart. As you look back on those days of peace, joy, and thrill as a child of God walking with him, perhaps you're having to say, it's better for me then than now. And if that's the case, why don't you just say, Lord, I'm going to come home. I'm a, Lord, my will, I surrender to you. My, my way, I want to be your way. Lord, I want to order my walk, my behavior, my conduct after your word. We sing one other stanza just for you. Come while we sing it together. Lead us, Carl. Jesus is calling the weary to rest, calling today, calling today. Bring him your burden and you shall be blessed. He will not turn you away. Calling today. Calling today. Jesus is calling his Happiness for the Christian doesn't depend on material possession or wealth, station, position in life. Now, I've often said it, and I believe it. A child of God who's in the will of God could be happy living in a chicken coop. He could be happy riding a bicycle. He could be happy. Listen, if he knows in the will of God, he can be happy. There's where the secret of real joy lies. All right, you've been a wonderful audience. Thank you so much. Wake those up who are seated around you now. We don't want anybody left here when we're dismissed. But I'm glad you've been here today. Thank God for his blessing.
for the joys that have been mine just to fellowship with you and see you here today. Let's pray now. And don't forget, service tonight, choir practice 5.30, our evening service at 6.30, the observance of beautiful scriptural baptism tonight. Those of you who are waiting baptism, you'll come with a change of clothes and a towel so you'll be ready at the close of the service tonight. All right? Let's pray together as we're dismissed.